guys, what's going on? Um, this week, I'm joined by... Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back. Welcome back to the to Read the Room. This episode is for June 15th, day after the Army birthday. So... Happy birthday to the old soldiers, 244 years old. Is it 244? How old is the Army? Army birthday. The United States Army is officially 245 years old. So, as you can see, the bombers are flying overhead for my error. 245th birthday. So, I wanted to say happy birthday to all the soldiers listening. Oh, Mike B, what it is? Whoa. Today, I wanted to have my guy on. I wanted to have somebody on. I've been wanting to have this guy on for a while. He's an Army vet, so it fits. And we've also gone through a little bit of a war together. Uh, and on the last part of this podcast, we'll talk about that. You know, we weren't fighting against each other. Uh, we've never had any issues against each other. But... There's, there was, there was a conflict um, between me and a, and about eleven, twelve hundred people, and uh, he was there. I'm talking about Pete Bergen, uh, Army soldier, DC bartender, and you know he's in, he's in recovery, and you know he's all, he's an all around good dude. We've gotten along for, you know, years now. So we just kind of broke into the conversation, just talking about our Army past and where he came from. We were in at different times. He was in earlier than me. I, I went in, you know, I'm a, little, I'm a little younger, so. But otherwise, it was a good conversation. I hope everything's going okay with you. I hope all of you are safe. All of you are distancing, everything's trying to open, everybody's trying to open things up now, which is fine for those people that are comfortable. I am not. Um, you know, I have pre-existing, pre but also kind of been having a good time here, just chilling at home, not having to go out. Today I woke up with a headache and, you know, I went back to sleep. Easy enough, right? Didn't have to worry or didn't have to put together. It. No, just went back to sleep. So it is what it is, man. I, I, I like it. And supposedly there's going to be maybe two more months of it, and I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, when it's time to go back to work, you got to go back to work. And 
kind of I'm looking more forward to that now than I was, you know, a while back. As you can hear my stomach growling. I've been intermittent fasting while I've been home too. So, um, okay, so there it is. Oh, by the way, we, you have an opportunity, and I would like your help. You have been buying things on Amazon. We all have. What I would like for you to do, go to the link in the description, click on it. It may be for some camera that I used, my ring light. I don't know. Click on that, and then from there, search for the items that you would want to buy on Amazon. What that does is that gives me a little bit of cash off of what you buy, okay? And I didn't want to use this as a as an opportunity to talk shit about a billionaire, but Are you on your computer? Yeah. Oh, okay. Is this your phone? No, it's not your phone. No, it's a the DSLR. Oh, okay. Um, just a still camera. Well, video camera. That beard's coming in. Terribly. <laughs> Are you shaving every day? What's the? Yeah, man. Haircuts too? I got my first haircut um, like a week ago. So. Wife? No, no, no. I, okay. Virginia. Mask on the whole time, all that. Really? Mm -hmm. Where'd you go? You said Virginia? Yeah, I was doing something out there, and I was like, uh, I was getting crazy long, so. Yeah. Pulled in, got it taken care of. You shave your own. I just shaved my head. Yeah. I mean, it's starting to grow back, so I got to get it again, but even that, like, razor bumps and everything, so. Did like, you have a profile when you were in the Army? No, I didn't. And I think I did it once. And I think I should have done it the whole time because the guy explained to me, I was like 19. The guy explained that that's a thing in the black community. I had no idea. And I until I was in the military. Yeah. And then we have all, because we shave so much, we get the razor bumps because our hair is like, I, some of these would grow in and it'll grow into my, my chin or whatever. So, or my cheek. So. Um, we should get that. And I don't know if you did your VA after you got out, like your, um, disability or whatever, but I still haven't done mine. No, so, I don't uh, even know what you're talking about. So that shows you I haven't done it. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to do like a VA thing for like, whenever you get out, it's, we all technically, we all should do it. Some people, of course, if you got, hurt then you're going to get more right but little stuff 
throughout your life, it, it can be affected by your time served. Hearing loss, things like that. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of glad that I didn't do it yet. Because if I had done it when I was in, or the, the, the second I got out, then I don't know if I'd be able to claim a lot of the stuff that's happened since. Right. Because, you know, as we get older, things start breaking down that when you were younger, it didn't happen. When did you get out? 92. Probably long before you went in. Yeah. I got in, I went in in 96. Yeah. I actually, that was my time off active. And then I did two years in the reserve. So, 94. Yeah. So. so, you signed up for like a six-year uh, um, enlistment at first? No, when I went no. in, they had a thing called two plus two. So it was like, it was two years and 24 weeks plus two years reserve time. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to go in and get this college money and then come out and then make my mark. And then it didn't happen. Wow. Um, but uh, um, yeah, it was, I wound up doing a little bit longer because I was stationed in Panama and I, it was good duty. I, I liked being stationed down there and you could like extend your time down there. So yeah. Uh, I wound up doing uh, closer to three years active. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I did. I enlisted uh, for six uh, because of my job. And then I had to extend because uh, I got the White House right after that. Oh, okay. So I did a year of AIT to be a photographer and videographer or whatever. And then I did a year at I think Fort Bragg a year and a half at Fort Bragg and then after that it was straight up cush like there was no I wasn't in the real army after you know three and a half years sham army sham yes sham army yeah. like that 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 should be on my uniform like I I don't know how I did it I always got out of doing shit my regret was always that when I signed up, there was only two MOSs available for that short of an enlistment. One was like, it was an 11 series, whatever the, the Mortarman was, Oof. right? And then there was uh, 63 Bravo, which was like vehicle mechanic, like yeah. five and below, like motor pool. Yeah. I'm the least handy person ever, but I'm like, I'll learn a trade. Or like, it's, it's just, yeah. um, um, I was a terrible mechanic, so I did my basic and AIT at Fort Dix, which is a terrible place to be. Yep, just New Jersey. Not, well, it's also one of those places like Leonard Wood, or like it's one of those places where everybody on post is, was, or wishes they were a drill sergeant, so everybody's ready to boss you around. Yeah. And I did my AIT there, um, which was terrible. And then I went to Panama, and I was still a terrible mechanic. I was terrible <laughs> at it. And, uh, um, but I was a good soldier. And I, yeah. I started competing on behalf of the unit. They had these things called, I was in an um, infantry support unit. So I got that kind of that real army vibe, like yeah. guard duty and all that other stuff. Um, uh, but I realized if I competed on behalf of the unit, they had these things like uh, prom mock promotion boards. Yeah. Like go in in your class A uniform and you, you know, uh, specialist, what, describe the M16 assault rifle. First sergeant, the M16 A2 assault rifle is a shoulder fire gas cooled weapon that fires around at 5.56 millimeters at a range of blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. whatever. I won. Point or target. Like, there was always that person that was like, what, what is it, point or target? Like, shut up. So, we, uh, 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 I won and I wound up like driving for the company commander for a couple months. And then you, nice. Made, and you go to battalion and, and I won. I was like, oh, if I keep winning, I can just sham and drive. <laughs> so, 
I yep. did like one company group. I'm sorry, company battalion group. Yeah, uh, came in second in the in, in post, and like I was in those competitions for like out of my little over two years in Panama, I was in these competitions for like 14 months. So I drove. That that was my job. Is I was somebody's driver. Uh, well, maybe I should have done that. I mean, what what rank did you make it to? I got to E4. Yeah, and I was on on my way to be able to go to PLDC because I was yeah. in the unit. But then I started getting arrested. Um, uh, uh, okay. But I never lost rank or money, and I think it's because I had put that credit in the bank representing the unit. All my yeah. 15s were uh, company grade. I'm sorry, whatever the lowest one was. Was that comp- no, no? It was field grade. Yeah, oh, field so grade and company grade. grade. Yeah, it was summary grade. Yeah. So I just I always got 14 and 14. And uh, uh, 14 days restriction, 14 days. I never lost rank or money. Yeah. Um, but the last time I was on 14 and 14 and I got arrested, so I snuck out and got arrested again. Sheesh. Uh, so uh, um, that kind of like took me up the list for PLDC. And then um, when it came time for me to either ETS or re-enlist, I re-enlisted and they said, you get one bonus. And this is where I really wish I had done something different. You could either change your MOS or get station of choice. And I was like, all right, well, uh, uh, and I was like, I chose, I wanted to stay in Panama. They're like, you should go. And then um, the only t- the only place in the continental US I could go that wasn't drawing down, because this is back when they were downsizing a lot, was Fort Meade. I'm like, all right, I'll go to Fort Meade. That's kind of close to home, but not too close. Yeah, Fort Meade uh, wasn't bad. And then I or got wasn't. there. And then I got there, and then the, only, the unit I got assigned to got transferred to um, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And I was like, nope. What? Um, yeah, so they, they, they said, all right, well, we, we can't honor your contract. We can send you someplace else. They were trying to send me to Fort Lewis, Washington. I was like, no. No. Uh, and they're like, or we can just uh, pretend like you didn't relist and discharge you honorably. I'm like, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I did. Yeah. No, like, uh, mechanic job. I mean, we're going to go back through all of that stuff because all of that is so interesting. But, uh, but so nothing after? Like, when you got out, could you do anything with – any other skills you learned? None. No. No. Sheesh. I yeah. uh, I installed an air conditioner here yesterday, and I was super happy with myself. Yeah. <laughs> installed meaning I like put it in the window. Yeah. And- <laughs> it came. It, how do you get an air conditioner in DC now? Do you just go? Is it like a? Was it an old one or was was it? No, brand I, had new? A, I had I had like one of those Will Ferrell old school days uh, yesterday because I had to I had bought some and they were too loud for what I needed. So I had to, re- I had to go to Fairfax to where I bought it. And I wound up going to Lowe's, Home Depot, Costco, and Walmart in one day. And it was like way too much suburbs for me. Yeah. Um, got one, just came back. It was just reading instructions and putting it together, which is all right, the right. mechanic in the army was. Anyway, they had a manual for that. I'm just like, man, it's hot and I'm hungover. Like yeah. I didn't have the time. So. Yeah. I remember those days. Uh, so I don't know if it was still the same when I was in every Monday, was PMCS day. And all of us would have to meet up at the motor pool. Every little section had their vehicle and we would just PMCS our Humvee. So we checked the glow plugs and we checked if it started, stopped, turn right, turn left. Mm-hmm. And that was the extent of our like check. If, if it didn't do any of that shit, then we talked to the Bravos. Right. But one of my boys was a, he was one of the mechanics and he would always try to hook me up. 
um, because we would have to like sign out a truck. Right. And we had this like super anal, uh, their platoon sergeant was super anal and he made everybody, if you're going to sign out the truck, you PMCS it. So if you do the Monday thing, if you sign it out on Tuesday, you're PMCSing again. And then you're going to go talk to the mechanics to get it signed out for just like little shit like that. What was the, was there a standard back then or was that, is that the same? I was in Panama and it was right after the invasion. So they invaded, we invaded December 89. I got there April of 90. So Uh, I wasn't even supposed to go there. I was assigned to Germany out of AIT, but back then you could switch assignments. So if there was somebody else in your Mm. class, you could switch either CONUS CONUS continental US assignments or overseas assignments. Yeah. So this kid is like, I don't want to go to Panama because like those those assignments were coming out like right after we invaded. I'm like, I'll go. Yeah. Uh, um because my 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 what I thought of, of Germany at that point, I think 1990, I had been in basic training in AIT when the wall came down. So my what I think of Germany is all like black and white films, Eastern yeah. swimmers, you know, it's not the Western European nation that we know it to be now. Uh, yeah. It was, so I was like, man, I'm not trying to go there. It's cold. I'll go to Panama. It's nice. Um, um, but it, that was right after the invasion. So there was, it was like a high speed environment uh, <laughs> that we were down there. So there, there had to be some protocol. Most of the people down there had been involved on some level in the invasion In the invasion. A lot of them, the ones who were real quick to talk about how big a role they had, you're like, yeah, we didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was most of the, like the, the, the intense stuff was done with, um, uh, units from here, like, yeah, mm-hmm. like seventh idea or, or like the Fort order Fort drum or, or Fort Bragg. Like those guys did most yeah. of the fighting, but all the support came from my unit. So yeah, there were standards and, and things like that. So it was that Sergeant that you guys had, like, they were all like that. So, yeah. Um, because I don't know, are they signed out to the those vehicles are they all like on a hand receipt for that platoon sergeant or whatever the sergeant is that works at the motor pool no because like in my unit we have like uh, a quartermaster thing we we are the um, combat support time so we have a quartermaster we have um a tech supply we have like upper echelon maintenance so they all have their own vehicles so but if anybody in the motor pool and there was probably like six or seven of us lower enlisted and then we had an e7 in charge of us um but if we took a vehicle out like yeah we had a pmcs it we had to yeah. sign out, like that sort of thing yeah such a i mean i learned a lot i mean i, I was from a small town so where are you from originally uh i claim alexandria virginia like my, my dad was a oh, okay before. so my okay so my i'm the youngest though so i was spared a lot of that moving around so since i was like nine i grew up in alexandria virginia and, uh, oh, okay. So you're from this area. I didn't realize that. Okay. So um, I just came home one day. I was doing my first year at community college, and I was like, man, I'm not feeling this. And then I literally mm-hmm. just walked in. Um, I had taken the ads app or something. Uh, um, back, whatever. It, yeah. was, it was a quick process, and I signed up and came home and told my parents. And they were like, what? Because um, my dad, again, was a colonel in the Marine Corps. One of my brothers was in the Marine Corps. And I was like, I joined the Army today. And uh, my mom was shocked. My dad was like, "That's probably, that's probably gonna be good for you." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. You could tell. I mean, I don't know if you're. I wasn't a fuck up, but I wasn't. I, I didn't really have anything to do. Like, 
I graduated high school and I was kind of like, I, I did nothing. So the, my dad kind of did the same thing where it's like, you join the army? That's, uh, that's probably good for you. Yeah, I was, I was guilty of, and I see it like even in life now, like I'm a good, I was a good test taker, like standardized tests. I always did well with my GPA. And I, for some reason, crafted this thing in my head that I was like an underachieving student. I work for myself. I work in schools. And recently I had to get my transcripts from high school. And I was like, Damn, I barely graduated, you know, yeah. like, like yeah. good test scores. But like, I just, I would always like procrastinate. It's, it's, it's something I fight against even like, like with writing and working on like jokes and stuff. Yeah. Rather, I'm like, I just need to do that. And then I'm like, I'm walking to a show. I'm like, shit, I didn't do anything today. What am I doing? What am I going to yeah. talk about? Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, just like getting into that routine. So yeah, that was what the army was. Uh, I mean, it taught me a lot, but that was good for me. It did teach me, I think the, one of the best things that I carried forward from that time, as far as obviously accountability, uh, that sort yeah. of thing, I'm still in you. but uh, being a middle to upper middle class white kid from Northern Virginia, if I went away to school or whatever, that's who I would have gravitated towards and hung out uh, yeah. with. But in the army, you're with who you're with. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if it's Bumpkin Joe or, you know, somebody from uh, the inner city that you would never have otherwise been exposed to. So yeah. it did teach me a little bit about giving everybody a chance, you know, on merit, not, you know, because basic training was scary. That was the most, until I've been to jail, like jail's the most segregated place you'll ever be. But uh, basic training is mad segregated because mm -hmm. nobody knows anybody like i'm gonna be i'm gonna sidle up to somebody who looks like me who you know? looks exactly that's the first thing you go off of and then after a while you kind of go well you're a little bit uh rough so you go what well, my thing was people around my age because my basic training was kind of broken up it was older dudes there it was really young dudes there and it was kind of dudes in the middle and i tried to go for kind of the old, old guys older than me, but they were like married. So after a while, I was like, all right, I don't, I don't want to hear about your wife's problems. I don't want to hear about marital problems anymore. Let me go hang out with the young guys because they're, right. you know. Um, and luckily, I had a pretty cool crew. It was one guy, the youngest guy, that I think he was 17. And everybody hated that dude. I think he got into like three fights with older guys. And I was like, buddy, just be cool. I don't understand why, <laughs> why you have to start so much shit. But he was just, just that, I guess that age, that one year, I was 18 when I joined. I was 19. So. Yeah. Um, that one year, man, I don't know. It was... If you get it too, like, I didn't, uh, I was like, I was big, like, going into my senior high school, I was like 5'9", like yeah. 170, so I was like average height, but yeah. over that that year and the next year, by the time I went in the military, I was 6'2", and probably like 220, so yeah. I was a dude, and I run into this now, being a bigger guy, like, people, not that they, they, they want to test you, but they're like, oh, you think you're all that, or like, you know, they, yeah. they kind of want to come at you, so... But also being from a military family, I knew to show up in shape. So I was like doing well on PT tests from the minute I got there. Yeah. Kind of put bigger people in leadership positions. So I was like a squad leader. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, man, people will like kind of come at you back. And the, the, the army back then, and I'm sure they don't do this now. And I don't know if anyone, you were there, but drill sergeants could get in your face and put their hands on you back then. No. So, 
Not yeah. when I was in. I think they were starting, there were rumors of the stress cards. Mm-hmm. And because of the rumors, the drill sergeants chilled out. Right. But I remember hearing about, like, your time. So I joined in 96. You joined in what, 88? 89. 89. 89. Good Lord. I, yeah, I heard that. I heard it was awful. <laughs> it was, it was, you know like, what? You, you knew better then, you know, like we were, yeah, they would do those things. I don't know if they do this to you. They would like, you know, you'd be marching and somebody would mess up or whatever, working on some drill. They're like, y'all got 10 seconds to get over there and put on your Kevlar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And lock up. And it's like, it's 200 yards away. Like, yeah. You gotta whole, try. Oh, you don't want to try. We're going to go smoke you. Yeah. Put you in a room and close the doors and turn on the heat. And uh, this, yeah. this dude, I remember his name was Private Clifford. Uh, he was some backwards dude, but he legit quit. And he's like, I'm done. And yeah. I had a little tiny drill sergeant, drill sergeant Ben Deli, a little Mexican dude. And he's like, what'd you say? He's like, I'm done. He's like, you come with me. And then all you hear, we call it wall-to-wall counseling. You're yeah. just like tossing this dude back and forth, like roughing him up. And he comes back in, he's got a little something coming out of him. And he's yeah. like, this is your new platoon guy. Like, so, you know. He, yeah. You wanted, re- they wanted that guy yeah. so they could train him harder. Because... Yeah. But going back to, yeah, that, that thing of, like, get over there. You got 10 seconds to do. Like, it was always an unbelievable task. And, an impossible task. An impossible task. And then you're like, oh, well, we're just going to get smoked. So right. why try? Which was, and that made it worse. Yes. So instead of just doing push-ups in cadence, you would do, like, uh, uh, the mountain climber mountain after climber. that. Perfect. Like, or flutter kicks. The flutter kicks in full BDUs. I'm sure you guys wore a lot more than we did, but in full BDU, I remember one day, I, I don't know what it was. I wasn't a good listener. I'm still not, but I, I would wear, like, accidentally wear, like, winners it, on, like, a hot day. Or, like, a winter top in the summer bottom. Winter, yeah, a winter top in a summer bottom. I was like, what's the difference? I was, I was so, <laughs> just, I was just, I, just if I had done a lot of that shit about better, I don't know. But back then, of course, it was like everything was uniformity. Mm-hmm. And I had on those winter tops, summer bottoms, or just the whole winter outfit. If you don't know, like winter BDUs, they're just thicker. And the summer ones, and the summer ones are so like, much thinner. You can tell yeah. when you look at them, they have like little lines in them. Yeah, they have like little ribs in there, I guess, to, so they're breathable or whatever. But to myself, uh, mind hanging up in the closet right here. Me too. I have a, I have one. I think I have two. I think I have a winter and a summer. Okay. But and a pile cap, because <laughs> the pile cap was fucking cool. I don't know what you know. You're from Texas. Uh, you don't need a pile cap. I don't need. I've never needed that pile cap. I went to. I went to basic in um, Fort Sill. Okay. Uh, was Fort Dix uh, co-ed or no? Um, I mean, there were females on the base. But same thing in the same class. No, um, Man, and you you would be amazed at like you wouldn't because you've been there. But at nineteen, and if you have eight, you know, at nineteen you're just all as a guy you're like all testosterone all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like something that like um, they let like six people go. There was like a dance like in our seventh week or something, and you could go. Yeah. And, Every female was a 10 at that point, you know? Of course, <laughs> yeah. It's just Proximity, yeah. Oh Every girl God. looked good. Because Man. if a girl in, in, 
in army in an OD green t-shirt tucked in with no yeah. BDU top? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it was about those BDUs, but it made the women look. So I didn't see them until I went to AIT in Florida. But so I went through all the basic, no girls. Actually, we went in the uh, wintertime because in the middle of basic, I went home for Christmas. Okay. Yeah, I, was um, in, I did mine from October to April. I was in New Jersey. So it was cool. Right. Yeah. And I was um, with people who had never seen snow. Like, that's a weird thing, too. When, you, when it snows and there's people in your class, who are like, whoa, I'm like, you never seen yeah. snow. Like, yeah. yeah. I think I had think seen snow twice. And then I went to basic, and it snowed for like a whole week. And I don't know. I had a shammer basic. But by the end of it, like, they were so hungry for girls. My, my mom, my dad, my grandmother... And my pregnant sister came to, to Oklahoma. I think it was like a eight-hour drive or whatever from Texas. Okay. And every dude was like, is that your sister, man? Listen, what can you do to... I'm like, I haven't... Look, I'm not hooking you up with my pregnant sister. How okay? pregnant? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got a lot of those. How pregnant is she, though? Like, she, you can see it. <laughs> She's showing. So... She, and she's 17. I mean, you know, it's up to her if she, you know, I, look, <laughs> you can go talk to my dad if you want to. There's a lot fundamentally wrong that this conversation's even Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had just seen my sister at, at, uh, at Christmas, and she showed me, like, the sonogram or whatever. So I knew she was pregnant, but um, I didn't know she would be showing that fast. Right. Uh, but I had such a shammer basic we didn't do uh bivouac we didn't do um the confidence course we didn't do that 50 mile road march i think we did a pretty long road march it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't long i think we stayed out overnight one night was most of the people who were at no because fort still is like where they have artillery so that's artillery yeah we didn't you say had, company we said we were batteries yeah so all of our had, yeah not everybody was going to, what was your, what, I'm not your MOS nomenclature, but what was it? It was blankety blank, alpha, this. Like I was 63 Bravo, vehicle mechanic. What were yeah. you doing? Uh, me, when I told people my MOS, they were like, what, what is that? Because like everybody, what's that? Is it a 90? What was it? Was a tw I'm a tw I was a 25 Victor. Oh, okay. Combat documentation production specialist. Man, your recruiter did you right. Like, that is a cool job. <laughs> I have, I mean, I should send her flowers, man. She, it was, um, I don't know what it was with my ASVAB. I didn't do well, but my GT score was high. I don't know what that means, but my score was terrible. I, I had a 54. They told me I qualified for everything. Like, they tried to talk oh, me. Oh, really? Uh, they're like, are you sure you want, like, the, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, you should let go or I'm like, oh, I'm good, you know. Yeah, yeah. But did, when people ask, like, the Army, like, oh, was it tough? I'm like, the Army's just a job. Like, it's just a job. It wasn't. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, like, basic training. Basic training is probably, like, when you think about it, like, the easiest part. All you got to do is what you're told, all yeah. right, and be on time or be, be 10 minutes early, you know? Like, yeah. Don't just, be late and do your job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once, once I got the hang of it, I kind of soared through, but I think the first couple years, 
I had some trouble. I got uh, two Article 15s my first, like, year and a half. And that was in, like, a cushy AIT. Oh, wow. Um, I failed wall locker inspections, and I failed room inspections. Like, that's what we got Article 15s for. Oh, I, I got mine for, like, assault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard your stories, I was like, oh. <laughs> I got 14 and 14 because I, my wall locker was dirty. Or oh, yeah. <laughs> so, or, like, the, the gigs, they would hit us with um, – they would hit us with a standard. Okay, this has to be six inches. This has to be four inches. Your socks have to be rolled up, shit like that. And then if you get three things wrong, then you fail. Okay. So I failed that three times. And they gave me an Article 15. And then there's another guy that got drunk and got a DUI when I, when I was in AIT. He got an article 15 and i was like how are these that's like <laughs> these don't Brock, compare that's like Brock snyder can go ahead and and assault a woman you yeah know, right and he gets six months right, right? and somebody else you know gets busted for some weed yeah years like, like, yeah like what, the, what is what is this what? Yeah. so uh so it's funny to hear your stories uh but you never got bust down though no in no. fact one of the times i got arrested they were just like knock it off you know, yeah, like, just chill out. Yeah, yeah you know, you know, come on now. Because um, I'm soft anyway. Like I had been in three fights in my life before I got in the army, and I I lost them all. <laughs> uh, but I was hanging around like some some rough some rough dudes. Uh, yeah, and it was one of those things where we got in like one or two fights a week for a year. Yeah, and I say like as a group, I think we were undefeated. I I wound up losing some, but as a group, I think we went undefeated. But yeah, uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was crazy. It was uh, uh you know what it was is because when the first year I was there, we weren't allowed off the base. Yeah, it was still such a tense environment. So what you have is a bunch of 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids working out all day, rah rah, drinking yeah. all night. You're overseas. It's cheap, right? Yeah. It's like I, I sh I'm working this hard. I need to do something, and then mm -hmm. you just wind up fighting people. Uh, yeah. But the, my my boy Axtell, and he that's his name A X T E L L. Yeah. He's five nine two thirty. He was like hard for real, like a hard dude. Like, mm -hmm. and he was mad one time because we hadn't been in a fight in two weeks, and he felt people weren't respecting us. Yeah. So he said, all right, so look, we go back to the barracks, we get our e tools, right? We set them right outside the door, all right. And then I'm like, if you don't know what an e tool is, it's a fold up metal shovel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, a, it's a spade, as they call it, back in uh, the 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 old army. It's a murder weapon. It's uh, a yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a weapon yeah. that you dig um, with. And I'm like, well, why? No, I go. I don't want to. I go. Why can't we just fight? I'm like, that's that was like the the safest option I can come up with. He's like, fine. He goes. Then the next three people we see, I'm like, it's got to be three. Like, yeah. like there's only two of us. So I don't know what it was. There was always that one guy in the group that wanted to fight. Yes. And I, and I was like, we're all horny, dude. <laughs> like, we all want to have, like, why is that the next thing? Right. It's like, so if we ain't fucking, then we fighting. Okay? Make up your mind if you down. And then they question your loyalty to their cause. Right. Yeah. Look, you need to figure out if you down, okay? All them push-ups you do and you can't, like, join in the fight, like, Oh, son, I jerked off earlier. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I let it. I released it, bro. I released it. 
it's just such a it just the personalities that you we hung out with i had a crew and it was uh i had a regional crew so i was from texas i had another guy from alabama there's another guy from florida and another guy who was from north carolina so we were like a little southern group now we didn't fight or we didn't like cause trouble but we would all anytime we were going out we like are we going out as a group and we just gonna dance and hang out and anytime they would play like southern music did you, like did you go out and dance and all of that like to oh yeah yeah i don't know so this is gonna be what was your what was your aesthetic going out in the late 90s what was your look because i had a very specific look i was so kind of baggy t-shirts and big jeans okay and and k-swiss i was okay. still wearing k-swiss back then k-swiss or super tim Sims. okay so yeah 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 i had um definitely it was very um fresh prince slash bell bib devote for me so oh yeah a rayon shirt early 90s yeah shirt buttoned mm -hmm. all the way up mm -hmm. um uh non-prescription eyewear because uh, Michael Bibbins was pulling it off. Um, BCs? BCs or like per your own personal glasses? No, just the, what was it, BC? BC are per birth control glasses. They're like uh, the brown. The personal ones, like some wire rims. They're yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the brown glasses that, uh, yeah. The ones they give you in base, not those. Yeah, yeah, They actually gave me those. I we broke them on them, purpose. We call them RPGs. Uh, oh. Rape prevention glasses. So. Uh, what are they called? Rape RPGs, rape prevention. Rape. <laughs> we call them BC's birth control glasses. Like yeah, yeah. you ain't getting none. So yeah. yeah. And then um, there was definitely I definitely had a couple silver herringbone chains uh, <laughs> that I would put on, and some Dracar. Uh, oh gosh. Very early '90s. Very uh, color me bad. Uh, um, you know, no Z Cavaricis or anything. But uh, it was it's it it did it's a look that didn't age well. But yeah, yeah go. There was the NCO club, which you could go to, which you didn't want to fight in because there was a lot of senior NCOs. And officers no, there. no, um, that's such a weird and it's such a weird thing, too. It's like right. you. So you guys could get in there. Yes. Like we couldn't get in. I think oh, no, lower enlisted could get in. So we had to have an NCO with us. Oh, no. Yeah. And luckily, one of our one of our guys, he was a corporal which is okay. not necessarily an NCO. It's just an E4, an E4 right. with like three people under him. Mm -hmm. So he, he, I'm an NCO, I'm a corporal. And the dude at the door was like, you got me there. Right. So come and on I, in. I think we were allowed there because that was a concession because we weren't allowed off the base. So I think that that might've been. I think, yeah, that, maybe that's why. But the thing was like, there was no very few females. But of course. You, but there's there's nationals, right? But the nationals are not allowed on post. So they had to go through this. You look back on it, I'm like, how is this a thing? So like on whatever, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, all these nationals, Panamanian women, they would gather by the back gate, which was right next to the NCO club, right? It's about a mile down the road. So you, what you, have, what you have is a bunch of young soldiers walking around, mixing, mingling, trying to make friends. And now, and then you sign them on post and- right. Like responsible for them it's like uh, um now there's there's not it's not a all right if i sign you in x y or z will happen it's like you are my guest for the night whatever happens happens right right mm -hmm. but uh, um it was just this weird thing where like because a lot of them are trying to marry up and get out of there you know that sort of thing so uh, um even in panama really 
Oh yeah, it is. Really? I went back there a couple of years ago. It's it's very like pyramid economy. There's like small number of people with some money, then mm-hmm. and then everybody else is dirt poor. So, um, <laughs> oh. um, yeah, and then you so you see them uh, in there, and then there was the one two three club, which is where we hung out most of the time because it was right by all the barracks. Uh, yeah, that was the closest, uh, easiest, and then you could you could get in a fight. It was kind of far away from the MP station, so. Uh, if stuff kind of popped off, um, it would take them a while to get there. You can just a little while to get there. Yeah. Yeah. It was always those people that could like, that was start, like, w- no matter where the party went. So when I was on brag, there was the NCO club. And like I said, we couldn't get in there because you had to be an NCO or be with one. And then there was little clubs all around Fayetteville, North Carolina. But isn't there, not that you're looking for trouble, but isn't there like a anti-towny vibe or like some sort of like friction between locals and people on the base? Yeah, there was a blacklist for Fort Bragg. And I remember um, on this blacklist was this street called Murkison. And they didn't even call it Murkison. They called it the Merc. And you weren't allowed to go down that street. They had that in Panama too. There was like, because there was still yeah. like Noriega. Noriega, like, don't go there. And we're like, mm-hmm. we're going there. that's where we're going. Exactly. Like, we're, we're, yeah. Exactly. There was there all of those places. Cool thing in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you want me to go? Okay, that's what, okay, because it's fun. Okay, I got you. <laughs> um, but we had this club called the Big Apple. And it was an overnight club. You go, you, you go dance. And then you stay there, you know, all the, uh, most people leave. And if you stay, it becomes a strip club. So the strippers come in at, you know, 11, actually, no, like 2 a.m. Okay. These strippers start coming in and it becomes a different kind of party. And I was one of those guys that if I was out too long, I would go to sleep. Like I, I would believe- sit at a table. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I would, I would go to sleep and I didn't drive. You know, we didn't go like you pick a night to drive. So this week you drive, you got gas in your car. We were all broke. So just at different times. So you got gas, you driving. So the guy that was driving, of course, he wanted to stay. And a lot of us wanted to, you know, leave. So me and me and the guy from me and Tegas, his name was Artigas. We decided to tell you, we just went to sleep. Uh, cause we couldn't leave, but that ha- I did that a lot. And I, and then I realized like, why am I going to, why am I paying money to go to the club? Cause it was always like 12, $15 to get in for right. us, for I men sleep at home for free and be more comfortable. I can sleep at home for free, be more comfortable. And I think, I think what kind of helped me out was I, I was kind of talking to this girl and that was always off and on. I was always talking to a girl for a little bit of my little bit of time because the girls had so many options. Right. Yeah. It was it was unbelievable. Um, just the the choices that they had was the same way. In were there any girls in like army soldiers, um, soldiers in Panama? Yeah, there were some. Uh, um, What's the ratio? 
five to one. Yeah, it was you ridiculous. Know, that sort of thing. And, you know, some of them were um, in the officers. It was more more. The ratio was a little bit closer, still more men than women. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, but I actually when I was in Panama, I met like I wouldn't say I almost got married, but that was like the first time I was like, I went out with this girl for like my, my second year there because we had done a field operation like deep in the country where we were like building roads and schools and stuff like that. And I met this uh, girl who lived in Panama, but was born in Texas, was born in um, Brownsville, mm -hmm. born in Brownsville. Yeah. Um, her dad was American, her mom was Mexican. They separated, mom remarried a Panamanian, she's grown up down there. Basically, she, she spoke better English than me. Um, but like, that's when I, um, I kind of stopped getting in trouble because like every weekend I would take like this like shady bus to the interior of the country, spend the weekend at her house, uh, yeah. that sort of thing, and then come back. It was cool actually, when I went down there, I went to Costa Rica and Panama two years ago, met up with her, had dinner with her and her husband. It was, it was cool, it was, yeah. it, was, it, was, uh, it was good. But as far as like dating somebody in the military or like, no, no, they, uh, um, plus you know how people like, not even talk smack, but like, you can't have something like that with somebody who's in the army because there's a risk, there's a chain of command thing. Yeah. Uh, you know three people they've been with or, you know, like that sort of thing. So um, mm -hmm. us in Panama, it's, you know, most of those guys, most of us weren't looking for a relationship, obviously, until I found one. So you don't want to, you don't want to be with somebody and then have it end and then have to see them every day. Like you just, you know, go out with a national and then don't sign them in anymore. So. Yeah, that was the worst is dating people and then seeing them all the time with your friends or hearing about them. Yeah. With your friend. Cause that's all they did was they would date everybody in the same circles. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I wish I had a little more, uh, insight into that, like before I went into it. Cause I was just so happy to be dating somebody or seeing somebody on a regular basis. What part um, of Texas are you from? Waco. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's Pardon my ignorance. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go full Koresh, but it's rural. It's not Houston. It's not San Antonio. It's not Dallas. Or is you know it? What? Or is it, it, it like Charlotte? Like you ever drive to Charlotte and it's like cow, 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 city, cow, cow. It's like yeah, it's city, but it's in the middle of a lot of nothing. It's a little. It's a lot of nothing, and then there is like so Waco's kind of the the quote unquote city part, and then there's Bellmead, Hillsboro. McGregor isn't that far down. Um, you know, it's just so many different little towns right outside of it. Waco's quote unquote the city part. There's like oh. 300,000 people there, but I mean, they're, they're considered Waco, but it's really like Bell Mead and all these other little places outside of it. Okay. So um, not a big city at all. I mean, it's just growing now because of. Uh, or it was because of George Bush and uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Do you, um, well, also, Baylor's in Waco, isn't it? Yep, and it's a college town. Right, right, okay. Yeah, and that's kind of on the outskirts, or on the way to the outskirts, too, Baylor. So that's out towards uh, where my mom and dad are from, Rosebud and Chilton. But you, so, you ran into those people in the Army who were from real small towns. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, never seen, just you know, blown away by the simplest thing. Yeah, they were either like super meek and didn't know, or they were like crazy people. Yeah. 
and and just couldn't deal with it. There's one guy in basic, I mean, he just kind of he kind of went AWOL just in formation one day. He just walked out of formation. And we almost got in trouble. Uh I remember one we had to go out at night marching looking for the guy. Mm-hmm. Like we were they we were marching. The drill sergeant, he put us at a route step. I, I think it was really just him that would have gotten in trouble, but he made it seem like it was us. Yeah. Like, but he put us at a route step, and he said, look over there. You look over there. You look over there. Like, keep looking. And he, we just marched down this little dark road. His name was Oberg. I can never forget him. We had a guy who was, like, he, he didn't adjust well to the military. Yeah. Uh, and his way to get out was he, he just um, – stopped taking care of himself on a hygienic level. Like, like wouldn't shower, like shit himself. Like, and I'm like, so they got him out. Like, they, they, I'm like, man, there are other ways to go. You could, you could like, there's paperwork, you know, like, you know, like, yeah. straight to that. Like, yeah. at that stage, like before they put a lot of money and time into you, they're like, all right, you can go. You know, like, yeah. you signed the dotted line, you owe us your life. They're like, no, you, you should go. Like, uh, but I remember like one day, like they came in and they were like, like disinfecting his locker and like all the stuff was bagged up. Like, Good Lord. <laughs> the ways that people got out, I mean, and the, uh, all the girls had to do was get pregnant. Chapter eight, you're, you're gone. Or but, that's how they got a house. Like when I was in Panama, these girls would be in the barracks. And next thing you know, they're getting housing, right? Because really barracks with a child. You're like, oh man. Oh, wow. Real. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty nice. I mean, not to, well, then they got to have the baby. I don't know if you've. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that's, the, that's the downside. That's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty terrible, but. I'm telling you, like, I, obviously, I only, my only life was in the barracks, and I didn't make anything. Like, when you think about what you made a month in the Army, it is nothing. Like, nothing, I think man. pay as, like, E2 or something like that was, like, 660 a month or something yeah. like that, right? But also, I don't have to pay for food or housing. True. Or so that's, like, that's. Not that it's an opportunity to save. It's just not as bad. You get 30 days paid vacation a year, you know, right from yeah. the job, all that other stuff. But um, it was get housing. Like, the maddest person in the world is an E6 who gets woken up at 4 in the morning to come pick me up from jail. All right? Yeah. So an E6 is somebody who's probably maybe 25, 27 years old, cares mm-hmm. a little bit, probably at home with their wife, and then they got to get up. It come and just pick my drunk dumbass up uh, mm-hmm. from jail because they have a home, right? They're an adult. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is the worst. The twenty-five-year-old. I mean, if they were E6s, like some of some of them couldn't get promoted. That was the problem I had with my MOS. A lot of people, the the promotion points. What was the scale like when you were in the? Was it still the same like E4, and then you have you start doing the promotion points and then right. you have to piece together your promotion packet with college you got points for college you got points for um i think people did lifesaver st- courses they did correspondence courses which were huge um and they did like airborne aerosol like all these little things got you more and more points pldc, PLDC is and then the board yeah. i remember the, the the second time i got arrested my squad leader who was sergeant barrett who was just you know country country guy yeah. uh, big into cars like you know uh i work in a motor pool most of the people have been working on cars their whole life uh, mm-hmm. um anyway i was getting arrested and uh did i lose you 
Yeah, I'm right here. Oh, okay. I don't know what happened. Oh, you don't see me? No. Anyway. It's good on uh, my end. Oh, okay. Uh, um, I was getting arrested, and he, uh, um, he was just coming back in the barracks and was drunk and was like, you know, where are you taking my, so you, I'll tell you what, if you arrest him, then you're going to arrest me too. And I'm like, <laughs> so now we're both in the car. Yeah. Uh, and then we both had to get dressed up in our uniforms and get our punishment uh, at the same time. So. That's always, it was kind of fun to be in trouble with somebody though. Like that wasn't, that usually wasn't bad. It was just when you were by yourself, you're like, am I the, uh, I'm the only one fucking up right now. Right. Like that principal office feeling just kind of didn't go away. Um, even when I was in trouble for like my wall locker and like room inspections or whatever, I was like, yeah, I'm really fucking up right now. And that's how they made me feel. But looking back, I'm like, oh, that was just, that was just where I was. Right. Like they just, they had a ridiculous standard. So, you know. If I could do it again, yeah, obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But yeah, you go back and uh, um, it would be so much, not easier, but like if you just knew like, like in basic and some of the, some of the stuff they do, like, you're like, why are they doing this? So like to teach you to work as a team, like to yeah. how do we shave our heads so we all look the same. So yeah. we're all, like, you know, you don't know that at the time, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, maybe if you do, it just doesn't register. But yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad I did it. I went through for a long period of my life. I had regrets because like you look at somebody like Chris. All right. So Chris did what? 20 in the air force. Yeah. Chris right? Allen. Chris Allen. Right. Yeah. Very funny dude. But mm -hmm. you know, when you're 20, the idea of 20 years is literally your whole life. Yeah. Point, right. So mm -hmm. now you see how fast it goes by. Yeah. Right? So I could have done all that, still be doing what I'm doing, getting a pension, you know, like, yeah. so, you know, uh, um, Chris did his time. He gets his pension. He gets mm -hmm. to pursue his dream creatively, like all that stuff. So, you mm -hmm. know, but it's like at the time, if someone's like, no, it's going to fly by, you're like, yeah, right. You know, yeah. like, uh, at 20, literally, that's your whole life. So, uh, you think so? I mean, when you think 40, 40 years old, like we're, we're in our 40s now, um, you think that that's going to be like, oh, I'm going to be looking at the end of my life. No, no, no. It's kind of the beginning, really. Right. Um, but I, you know, when I got out, I still had, uh, I got out in a, in a, in this area with a clearance. So okay. it was, I, I was kind of in a place where I had to get out because I wasn't going to get uh, promoted. But you got out at E6? I got out at E4. Oh, at E4. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, so I, I had gone to PLDC but what was killing me was my points were at like 798, like something ridiculous. And when I did the board, see, I kind of wish I had done what you did, which is do all of those practice boards. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever do Audie Murphy by chance? No. No? It's kind of like a, a soldier of the month board, but like even more. That's what it was. It was, but that's how yeah. it, was. it was like soldier of the month, soldier of the quarter, soldier of the year. Yeah. Like, that's what it was. It was soldier boards. Yeah. Uh, Audie Murphy is like, you go and meet the governor after that. Okay. Like, you're an exemplary soldier at taking, like, these boards. No, like, at the company level, it was a bunch of, like, yeah. two sergeants, and then you get to battalion level, it's all the first sergeants in the battalion, then it's all yeah. sergeant majors uh, yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah. uh, um, um, 
my first board, I did it for a brag and I failed it miserably. I mean, I think I did, I, I think on my facing movement, you know how you march in mm -hmm. and then you stop in the middle and then you do a left turn and then you uh, salute. I did, uh, I turned way too far to the left and then I stopped and then I had to turn back a little bit. And then my, I would always salute, like I would bring it up like this. Uh -huh. Instead of going like this, I would do this. So I oh, got, like I, yeah, I got gigs for this somehow. They just hated my guts. And the big thing being at Fort Bragg, I wasn't airborne. No. Yeah, so they, they questioned yeah. my leadership of airborne soldiers if I'm not airborne. Did you so, ever submit to try to go to airborne school? No. Was that even an option? It was. Oh, okay. It was talked about often. Everybody was airborne but me, just about. I think it was well, me. Like, when, I was to, when I was supposed to go to Fort Campbell, they're like, you can go to Fort Campbell instead of Fort Meade. I'm like, no, because that's all airborne. All, that's 101st, but that's all airborne, all air assault. Ugh. You know, I'm not going to show up there with, like, yeah, I'm good. No. There, yeah. I mean, leg, I got called a leg. Um, just learning all this. I mean, air assault. I think air assault was at Fort, I want to say Fort Benning, too. Where's air assault? Uh, I mean, I know that the, where the, where's the training for air assault? Yeah. I want to say Fort Campbell, Kentucky, but uh, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh... For, because there was, there was, like, that was the whole thing is like, you just take a month, you go to Airborne, and then you go to, like, my platoon star or my, uh, the first, what's the squad leader? She Fort was like, Fort Drum. Oh, really? There's two now. Okay. Yeah. Um, because that was her thing. There was another guy. He went SF though, but he said they sent him to Fort to go airborne. Then he went air assault, and then he went SF right after that. And I was oh, actually, I think Ranger Ranger School. Ranger School yeah, because to go SF, you got to go Ranger first. Um, we had one of those guys who had like Ranger and SF tabs, but he got out. And then yeah. he was like the platoon, he was an E7 platoon sergeant, protect supply. So it's like, yeah, man, you got like all this and now you're just like taking inventories. And, and that's just, it. Yeah. yeah. And they were happy with that probably. Yeah. Like sick of this nonsense. I mean, I did, um, you ever heard of Robin Sage? Did you guys do anything like that? Uh, Robin Sage was like supposed to train the, the special forces. So special forces, they're supposed to fly into a country and train the people. Well, we, for, the, for special forces to uh, training, we were supposed to be the country. So, oh, Robin, so they were coming and train you. Yeah, so Robin Sage, we're, we were actors, basically. So Robin Sage is like this whole system of, like we drive to, I think we drove like three hours from Fort Bragg to Northern North Carolina, um, where the KKK is. And, we lived in the woods or we lived in a, you know, we, it was just like a field problem, except we're not ourselves. Um, we're this other country called Pineland and the SF, like we, we get there first, the SF, of course, they airborne, they, they land in at one point mm -hmm. and then they start doing these different training classes or whatever. And we did that for like two weeks. And that was the, like, I talked to one of those guys. We had duty at the same time. It was a lot of duty. 
It was a lot of fire guard and all this other nonsense. Hey, guard this flank. You guard that flank. And it was, that was the whole, that's what I learned from it. It's like, there's a lot of guard duty. Like, all the fighting and all that shit, this is a whole lot of guard duty. And but you never chambered it. around. Like, you never, you never, yeah. I pulled no. a lot of, I liked pulling guard duty because you go away for a month and then you work four hours on, eight hours off for a month, right? Yeah. Um, you save money. You don't spend any money. Um, and then it's, uh, that's where I learned too. There's another, and I don't know if people did this when you were in the Army, but, and it's, it's usually split along racial lines, but on guard duty or like field duty, hmm. people play spades a yeah, lot. Yeah, of course. A lot, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And like, like by the second or third week, you're mad because it's, it is like, they get mad. Trump, what you gonna be? You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm asleep and they're like playing spades. Like, I never yeah. even learned how to play the game. It was like, I think that was, that was a game that was split like really on racial lines was playing spades. I didn't, I didn't realize that a lot of white people don't play dominoes. Yeah. We yeah. Don't. That's uh, so, I, my, I, uh, I think uh, John Mulaney said that at, uh, he was talking to uh, Mike Birbiglia and I was like, white people don't know how to play. And then I asked my, uh, girlfriend, and she was like, no, I don't know how to play. So I, I taught know, her how to play. I didn't know it was a game until I was a teenager. I thought it was right. just that you stacked up and knocked over. Yeah. I didn't um, know. Did you learn how to play in the Army, though? No. Did you? No. <laughs> it's, it's not – the stakes are high sometimes. So, yeah. I, look, man, I was friends with air conditioning <laughs> mechanics. We were busy taking the Freon tanks from their thing, putting it in our wall mm-hmm. locker, and just yeah. – Yeah, so – uh, no, nothing creative. Sheesh. I mean, like I said, do you ever like miss it? Yeah, I like the structure of it. I do much better in that sort of setting uh, with that sort of accountability. Uh, uh, yeah, like when I'm at my best, I'm like applying those principles and 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 like using the things that I learned at that time. You know, as far as yeah. just like, having a routine, having a schedule, that sort of thing. So. Because uh, that that translates to any aspect of your life. So when I'm doing, when I'm when I'm in a rut or feeling like my things are getting a little bit crazy for me or or, or I'm not like wired in, mm-hmm. if I take a step back, that's probably why because I'm not planning, I'm not executing that sort of thing. So yeah, when there's a standard, I don't know if you remember like the task condition standards. Like anytime there was a block of instruction. Mm-hmm. I always play that in my mind when I'm thinking of doing something. I'm like, Taz, uh, take daughter to get ice cream. Conditions, uh, raining and she has an attitude and then the standard, make her happy. Like I yeah. always break it down in those, in those terms. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, incredible. Well, happy birthday, man. Happy, um, yeah, yeah. happy birthday. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Have you gotten um, any shows, Tim? Are you doing any online shows? I did. I haven't done one in a while. I did. Do you do uh, shows with Kurt Shackelford? No. I mean, I've, no. I've done in Positano's, but I haven't done an online. I can't, I'm not going to. No. I can't do comedy to this. Uh, uh, um, That's all started, it is. I know. And when I started doing it, like, even, even um, before I stopped doing it, I just I quit doing, like, trying to tell jokes. And I would set up PowerPoints and just go through the PowerPoints and, and, and riff on, like I would set up some slides and just talk about them like that. Cause that's, yeah. 
that's easier uh, than any other. But I got to do an outside show last week, like on a stage. I saw that. Yeah, it was. I was uh, jealous. Yeah, man, it was. It was the second one I did. Uh, same place, same. Uh, um, uh, Brock put it on. Uh, the first one it was like, it, was, it felt like like good nervous. Like it feels weird. Like you know, yeah, uh, uh, um, a muscle that I just hadn't used in a while. So it was it was good. Yeah. Um, so you said that was a second time. Did they honk when they laughed or, or did they just there laugh? There was people in the audience. Oh, there wasn't call. It wasn't a drive through. No, no. Oh, okay. It was, it was like, if you go to like some of those suburban places where, where they have like a, um, like a screen on the wall where they show movies and people sit out and picnic. Yeah. Um, yeah. This apartment complex has that same thing. And then there's a stage. So it was like a big grassy area where people put out blankets and lawn chairs and sat there socially distanced. Uh, yeah. and watch people come up on stage. So yeah, uh, 18 people in the audience, but it was great, man. It was great. Yeah. Do you think it's going to get, I mean, come back together soon? I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical too. I did oh. hit my place of employment because they have a rooftop up there. Right. Uh, at Mellow Mushroom. So I was like, yo, people are a little bit thirsty. Um, why don't we try to do this? Yeah. Like, Tuesday and Thursday, like 9 to 10.30 after your dinner rush mm -hmm. uh, um, up on the roof, you know. Yeah. He's like, well, we can get 30 people up there at tables with social distancing. I'm like, all right, well, if it's late, you can take some of the tables out and put, you know, like, yeah, whatever it is. So um, that's in the I'm checking with the owner thing, but the GM seems cool with it. So we'll see. Yeah. About that. yeah. Um, well, I guess, I guess I'll just bring up the last thing, talking about performance. <laughs> we did a show. Actually, was it two years ago? Oh, he's right, Ocean City. Yeah. <laughs> speaking speaking of unbelievable, uh, like like task standards and conditions. <laughs> uh, I might, I might uh, pull my wife in on this because she was in the audience. Oh then. yes. She was mad for you. <laughs> oh, she no. See, I kind of I blame myself a little bit. But it was, I think it was a combination. And I think that's how that goes. Well, first uh, of all, I was, I was thrilled because they reached out to me and I got to put together the lineup and they paid well, right? Yeah. They paid very well, not to be gross and talk numbers, but no, no, it, no. it was really good money. And it was yeah. all people that I liked. It was you, Paris, Rob, Mayer, and yeah. myself. But they, they made it hard on themselves because it was, if you don't know, it was, it was, a, it was a, a regional convention yeah. Narcotics Anonymous. So it's drug addicts okay. from Pennsylvania to North Carolina, all gathering in Ocean City. Yeah. They were coming from what was called the main speaker meeting, which is about 90 minutes. And wow. then they were supposed to come right into this show, which yeah. is going to be another 90 minutes. But they couldn't get the people coming in right. It took 90 minutes for them to get in. Yeah. And then when they were in, it took like, an, they started like an, I don't know, like an hour and a half late. Yeah. And people were mad. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know what the holdup was, but. Mm -hmm. I think I had it easy because I was first. I'm the only person in recovery on the lineup. I had a lot of people in the audience who I knew. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, Paris went out. She did well. She did great. Yeah. yeah. And then I don't know what happened. I think they were just, <laughs> you know what happened is because you can't have addicts sit there and not have access to a cigarette or move around for going on four hours at that point. Plus, there was an itinerary. There was stuff to do later that they were, at that point, missing. Late for, oh, yeah. okay. So like, I didn't think of that part, but yeah. I, uh, for me, so what happened is basically I got booed. And then oh, wow. after I got booed, 
Yeah, it was. It wasn't. I listened to it. It wasn't just booze. Mm. It was very specific, like things <laughs> being said, which is worse to me. Like they were. It was. Per, it wasn't booze, generic. It was. I it wasn't generic. It was. They hated me. There's some things I don't like about yeah. you, <laughs> and as a person. Yeah. And and this is what makes me think. I messed up because this is where I think I messed up is when I first went out there, I said something about where I was driving from, where I was coming from. And they started saying it. And I said, shut up. Like, stop. Basically, stop sharing at mm. an N.A. Like, I didn't think about it at the time because oh, I didn't know yeah. the, I didn't know the culture. But my girlfriend, who's she's in recovery as well, she told me. And I was like, I didn't even think of that. I just assumed, I just played the usual um, heckling crowd right, right, right. song. And they did not like that. I think I got maybe one more joke in after right. I said that. After that. Yeah. yeah, it was done after that, man. And the fact that I wasn't like polished enough with the jokes that would have killed, like I wasn't funny enough after that, like they didn't give me leeway. Sometimes yeah. the audience will give you some leeway, but they hated me so much. They didn't give me leeway after that. It and was they just, just went in. It was because it was everything piled on top of it working. Yeah. All that time it took, all the sitting. Uh, um, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, I go, and you were like, I'm not going anywhere. Da, da, da. And then <laughs> at, first. Like, at first you were like that. And then I think it was like six or seven minutes, yeah. I think it was 18 or 20. You're like, I'm not trying to ruin the show. Yeah. And then friend of me, I already got paid. Uh, like, I'm going to go. Uh, did I say I already got paid? I didn't no, say no, that. No, did I, I? Just, I think you were thinking that. I hope not. I hope I didn't say that. No, because, well, then I went out and I, 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 I saw the demographic makeup in the room. You scolded them. Yeah, I remember that. And it was because it was, it was a really, really uh, black room, right? Mm -hmm. And I knew Rob was coming on next. Mm -hmm. right? There's 1,200 people. And I knew, I think Rob had a blazer on, like, we know Rob is funny. Like we, you know. Of course, of course. But I know that they're already mad and heated and they're going to see the whitest dude possible come out in a blazer. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like trying to like front load his credits. I'm like, Tiffany Haddish, Kevin Hart, you know. Yeah. Trying to black him up. And then uh, as soon as he walked out, I think a couple people, like a couple hundred might have left. It was 1,200 and I think it might have been down to like 900 or 950 when Rob came on. It went from that to 300 in two minutes. Yeah. Like 600 people got up and left yeah. before he even opened his mouth. And he ground out 45 good minutes. I was he like, did his time. He was, a, he was a real professional. I just felt bad. I felt bad for the whole show, really, because I'm really the only one that didn't, like, deliver. Um, you did great. Paris did great. And Rob did great. And I just didn't know, um, you know, how you felt about that. You, see, you, you were cool about it because you knew where I was coming from. And you oh, knew what no, no, it was, I, but I hope I was hoping you didn't get in trouble for my no, actually trouble for it at all. I'm like, I put that on them. Like, yeah, it's what happens when you have people who don't produce shows trying to produce shows, right? Like, you can't make people sit there for 90 minutes, especially like addicts coming from a meeting to a, like you're saying now we're to go on, to another one, right? Yeah, now we're going on four hours, you yeah. know, no cigarettes, no, you know, and they, they're supposed yeah. to be somewhere else. Like, you, you put you made it impossible, like, you definitely made it impossible, yeah. For, able to succeed but, um did you the next year did you see the post or did i show you that post where they were looking for people to do that show again oh no 
Um, I can't remember where I saw it, but yeah, I saw a post and I, I, I feel like I sent you the thing. It's like, do you know who's booking this? <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Or somebody I, was asking me to do it or something like that. Because it's, it's every year different groups. That's why I'm mad about what's happening now is because like, I got a website and like good material and uh, uh, more recovery material. And I was really going to try to be proactive and get convention work because they pay. Like even the smaller ones, right? That one uh, definitely even, did, yeah. And it's a real like home game for me, right? So it's, yeah. you know, uh, um, it's it's good for me, but the way the regional ones work. So, like, say there's like Rock Creek and East of the River. These are different areas around DC. Um, it rotates like different areas are in charge of putting on the convention. So it yeah. could be from North Carolina to Pennsylvania. That last one that we did, uh, the, one of the groups in DC was in charge of putting it together. So somebody reached out mm. to me and said, "Can you find some people?" So yeah, uh, yeah. I hope I didn't ruin that for you. No. Because I think that's a I good. Feel. Yeah. <laughs> I ruined it for myself. All right. I got you. <laughs> Yo. Um, oh, did you want to run any uh, any jokes? No. No? Was, you don't no, have anything I was, there? I was, here's what I did the other night. I was new. I was talking about um, the disconnect. So you probably can't tell from where you're sitting, where I'm sitting. But I've lost like 44 pounds since quarantine started. So really, uh, on purpose yeah. or just by uh, just not eating as much where you, no, where no, you no, were? Not, you know, I'm not. I work out of my car a lot, so yeah, uh, just eating less junk, a lot more movement. That's yeah. Something. Congrats, man. Congrats. I was uh, I was that's huge talking about the disconnect between what I can convince myself of how I look in the mirror when I leave the house versus what I see in a picture of me later that night. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I was talking about, I go, girls, like, you can deal with that. Like, you guys have that pose, right? Where you, you know, yeah. this, or you do this. I go, you know yeah. what the equivalent for that is? There isn't one. There, no. And I go, no. you know what? For like a six-month period two years ago, if you see a picture of me, I found one pose, but it's just two. And I go, here's the pose. Yeah. <laughs> right? It lifts everything up. It makes yeah. you smile. I go, and the smile is the biggest lie because if you're insecure enough to do a dumb ass pose like that, mm -hmm. I go, it's a thin veil. Like it is very, very thin. And yeah. I, I told a joke about, um, uh, I was at a lot of the protests you probably saw and I got- I did, uh, yes. So I do, you probably do, heard me do the joke about too old for certain behaviors. Um, and I said, at 40, you're too old to fight. And I go, and I'll be honest, because this happened, uh, at the protest last week, I punched somebody for the first time in <laughs> 30 years, 20, 30 yeah. years. And because uh, it was some kid, white kid, throwing bottles, right? Yeah. Uh, and everyone's yelling at him to stop. He's like 5'8", 140. So it's not like I went in, I sized it up. I wasn't in any danger at any point. Right, right. You <laughs> you made an assessment. You <laughs> Right, I, I can handle this. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I went over and like grabbed him like right here. And I told him, you knock that shit off. Mm -hmm. And his reaction at 20 years old, maybe, and five, eight, he shoves me and goes, fuck you. But he's not strong. So he doesn't shove me off him. What he wound up doing was pushing himself away from me. Right, right, right. Of him, and it was almost like a bungee. And it kind of yeah. came. So he went down. And I said, so I stepped over him. And I got some high fives, legit. And yeah. I go, uh, I go and his, my friend's like, so is his, uh, his girlfriend was probably like, why didn't you uh, defend yourself? I'm like, she's probably like, that's a grown ass man. Yeah. Like, like he's so masculine. I go, so he was super masculated. So when I told the joke, I go, so then I stepped over and picked up his girlfriend, made out with her right in front of him and went home. 
So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I was trying to think of the, the, uh, the equipment. I can't imagine at that age and that size cussing out or like being, getting physical with a grown man. You know, uh, there's just no fear of consequence in some of these kids. You may have changed his life because I don't think, a, <laughs> I don't think a lot of these kids have get, I mean, when our age, like we've been punched, mm -hmm. like at younger ages. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think kids now, I don't think they get punched younger. Like I was getting punched in the face. I think the first time was probably sixth, seventh grade. So mm -hmm. from there till about, uh, let me see, the last fight I had was in high school. So, you know, I know the consequences of my actions. You know, you know Shevitz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to elementary school together. That was the first time I got beat up. Shevitz beat me up in elementary school. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Shevitz is five foot seven. Right, but he was fast. He's, he's strong. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shevitz is a hood dude. Plus, we um, were in the same grade, but I think he's two years older than me, too. So he's more physically <laughs> developed. So. Uh, <laughs> uh -huh. Shevitz is a funny dude, man. Um, he was one of the first dudes I saw when I, when I first started doing stand up uh, at Wise Acres. And he had a room out in Springfield. Uh, I don't know yeah. But uh, I went out there. He, I mean, he gets people out there. He pays. Uh, uh, um, every time I do one of his shows, because we did one back where I grew up at a, a soul food place uh, on Route 1 in Alexandria, uh, I'm always the only white dude on the lineup. Of so, course. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. which I just went right in the crowd. I go, I go y'all looking at me like, I don't belong. I go, I'm yeah. the one who grew up here. All right. Yeah. So, you know, come <laughs> in. So. That, and they're visiting from, you know, where. Right. Um, well, yo, uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. I've, I've been wanting to talk to you about not only the incident, but your time in the army. Um, anything you want to plug? I wish, man. I wish there was something to plug. Yeah. IG? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, IG and Twitter are at PD Bergen, P-E-T-E-Y-B-E-R-G-E-N. Um, yeah, follow. Cool. And uh, once again, man, happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Um, that's it. <laughs>